Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Today we are starting our Tending the Garden series. And so like in a normal garden, tending sort of, okay, you've we prepared the soil. That was kind of the first part of the year. Um, you know, we've sowed the seeds. We've had to do a bit of pruning. And now we're tending. We're just making sure the garden is staying healthy. And so today we're actually looking at someone I've titled, and I've stolen this expression from a Navy SEAL called Jocko Wilnich, discipline equals freedom. Sounds like a bit of a contradiction. Let me tell you a story. Because um, of Ash's cerebral palsy, we tried to get him into different therapies. And when he was about one, he, we got him into music therapy. And so because of the timetabling, I had to take him out during work hours. I remember this music therapist, she was this lovely young lady, fresh out of university, there on her guitar, trying to lead these kids. And she would say every week, I come around kids. Now parents, remember, there are no rules. Your kids can do whatever they want. And do you know what happened? The kids did whatever they wanted. It was carnage. It was pure chaos. So what had intended to be this freeing expression of kids showing their artistic, you know, creativity just end up being carnage. You, you can't have creativity with two-year-olds and three-year-olds. There needed to be boundaries. And so there's this really famous interview with Jocko Wilnich, and he says here, let me get the quote here, it says, freedom is what everyone wants to be able to act and live with freedom. But the only way to get to a place of freedom is through discipline. If you want financial freedom, you have to have financial discipline. If you want more free time, you have to follow a more disciplined time management system. Isn't that great advice? Discipline equals freedom. And as we've been going through this series, So part of it is like to actually be free, to actually have life, we actually need to be disciplined people. And if we can, Jocko can point out just the simple fact of being disciplined financially will actually give you more financial freedom. Having a bit more time management skills will actually give you more free time. How much more spiritually? Having some spiritual disciplines in your life will lead to life will lead to wholeness, will lead to freedom. One of the things I find interesting in creation, and creation is a great example to to look at God. There was the great monk, um, Columbo. He said, if you want to understand the creator, look to creation. And if you turn to the pages of Genesis chapter 1, what do we see? What are there to the visions in the world? There is, let's start with, what's up here? Sky. And what's at the bottom of the sky? There's land. Well, in the Bible, it's sky and sea. And there's sea and land. There are these divisions which are set apart. 
And these divisions there ensure that creation remains in its order, its function. Creation has, can only be creation if the sea and the sky, the stars, all remain within their boundaries. Now, what's another interesting thing, too, in Scripture, is that when God gives commandments, they're there to bring order to society. So just as speaking life and saying, here are the divisions between sea, well, I should say sky and sea, and land and ocean. So there are divisions in life. There, there are rules that are set in place to make us free. Rules are freeing. Discipline is freeing. Probably one of the things we don't ever think about when we think of the laws that God has given is freeing. Perhaps like many of you, we kind of think, oh, we read the New Testament, Paul talks all about, hey, you know, we're under, not under law, but under grace. And so we have this simply, this idea that God's law is oppressive. It's like, just keep people trapped in and Jesus sort of freed us from that. But a number of theologians and commentators know that actually that's not necessarily the case. One of my favorite theologians, Miroslav Volf, he writes in this quote on the law, he said, Why did God give the commandments to a people already delivered from slavery? To get their obedience, so as to be able to reward them with good things in return? The commandments themselves are in a sense rewards, given not for God's sake, but for the sake of people's well-being. You look up Deuteronomy 10.13 if you want there. They are not arbitrary rules. They are a way, they, they trace the way of life as distinct from the way of death. I've asked this question before, but think of the Exodus. So think back, when did God give the law? Was it before he rescued them from Egyptian slavery? Or was it afterwards? Before or after? After. So what does that mean? What did God show, let's use a New Testament term, what did God show to the Israelites? Grace. He had grace. He had mercy. He had salvation. And so what would be very different if God gave them the law and then said, hey, hey, if you, if you do this, then I will free you. It's the opposite. And what commentators like Miroslav know is actually like these... These here, these commandments here are a way of life. Great little passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. It says, The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we may always prosper and be kept alive. Friends, discipline equals freedom. Now, in that little example I shared about Ash's music therapy, where there was no rules, there was chaos. What happens when people don't follow God's rules? What happens to society? Chaos. There's a bit of an unraveling. I can think of a classic story from the Old Testament. We all know this, the golden calf. And this author here, 
Norman Dioge, who I don't actually believe is a Christian, and he writes in the, this is the foreword to Jordan Peterson's 10 Rules for Life book, just reflecting on it. I just love this quote, when particularly non-Christian people can see the value of the Bible. He writes here, the story of the golden calf also reminds us that without rules, we quickly become slaves to our passions, and there's nothing freeing about that. There's nothing freeing about that. That's, that's why God gave the Ten Commandments. And that's the tremendous irony. In Exodus 20, Moses goes up to the mountain and there he talks with Yahweh. There he, he gets the law. And while he's up there, in fact, in Exodus 31, we're told that God carves on those two stone tablets what we call the Ten Commandments. And there in the very next chapter, Exodus 32, here are the people breaching the first and second commandments. People will become slaves to their own passion and there is nothing freeing about that. Now, now it's time to put on our nerdy Bible hats because I love to teach you all the Bible. I want to teach you a new little fact today. So, we talked about Genesis chapter 1. Here's a fun fact. In Genesis chapter 1, God says, you know, and let there be ten times. So you read Genesis chapter 1, and in our English language it says, and God said, da-da-da-da. says ten times. How many commandments are there given in Exodus chapter 20? Ten. Now, do you think that's an accident? No. So in Hebrew... The Ten Commandments are called the Ten Words. Ten Words, not the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. And what you're meant to do is, as the reader, is to think, oh, hang on, I've read really early on in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, and God said ten times. So when God spoke ten times, he created the world. Now God's speaking again ten times. And he's creating an ordered society. Oops, jumped too far ahead. And one commentator, Warren Gage, he's noted, as God created the cosmic order with ten words, so we create social order with ten commandments. Now, I hope by this point you are in agreement. Discipline and rules are important. Yes? Yes, okay, I've kind of built the argument for why we should do it. Now, let's get a little bit more practical. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he tells Timothy here in 1 Timothy 4 from verse 7, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, there's, you know, sometimes you, in the Bible you might go, what's the Greek mean of that? Maybe we can learn some more about that. You know what the Greek for everything is? It's the word panta. And guess what panta means? Everything. Everything. There's nothing fancy there. There's nothing like hidden meaning in this. Physical training, you know, it has some value, you know. I like to keep in shape, and that will help me with my blood pressure, my heart rate, my mood. 
it has some value for things, but godliness, discipline, has value for all things. Punter, everything, everything in life, marriage, work, parenting, recreational time, gardening, you, you name it. Everything. That's what Paul's talking about, is that godliness, godly discipline has value in absolutely everything that you do. And that word there, train, in Greek is gymnasos. Gymnasos. That sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit like gymnasium, where we get the gym. And the root word of gymnasos or gymnos is gymnos, which actually meant to be naked. So ancient competitors, they would run around the track naked. They would take off every bit of clothing that would hinder them down and be disciplined, to be, un, to be unweighed down, to be able to run and train properly without any hindrances. That's what discipline's all about. Easier said than done, my friends. Isn't that right? Uh, January 1st. All gym memberships go up. Everyone's like, I'm in a new year. Let's get fit. Let's get in shape. Easy to talk about these things. Very, very hard to do. And because we've been doing a bit of um, Saints video, I thought we might do a bit of Christian art history. So here is here's a picture of Homerius' Bosch. This is an artwork from the 1500s, and it's called The Seven Deadly Sins and the last four things. And so in it, see around the outside, he's got these four images. So this depicts death, hell, judgment, and heaven. And this part in the, these things here, these are the seven deadly sins. And in the middle here, that's Jesus, kind of the all-seeing eye over everything. Now, in the seven deadly sins, there's a whole bunch of them. There's pride, lust, greed, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. Now, Bosch depicts sloth here. Now, it's a bit hard to kind of get it. I had to research this to understand what it meant. But see the guy there in the green? He's fast asleep. So he's being lazy. Now, this nun here, she's meant to represent faith. And she's reminding him, hey, you need to say your prayers. Now, what the sort of early church recognized and Pope Gregory, who we've learnt about a couple of weeks ago, Gregory III, is that they connected sloth with actually a spiritual issue. Laziness isn't just being, oh, I'm just sort of lying around doing nothing and that's okay. They actually recognize that if you're a lazy person in the physical, you're going to be lazy in the spiritual. And Pope Gregory used the example of controlling your tongue about being slothful. He says here, because the slothful mind is typically brought um, to its downfall gradually, when we fail to control our speech, we move on to more harsh words. Thus, at first, we're happy to speak of others kindly. Afterwards, we begin to pick up the lives of, um, pick up the lives of those of whom we speak. And finally, our tongues break into open slander against them. Do you see what Gregory's arguing? If you're slothful, eventually you kind of get lazier and lazier and lazier. And with the tongue example here, hey, at first, you know, you're going to speak to people kindly. 
then you're going to become more angrier and more angrier and more angrier and harsher. You can see how that applies across many areas of our life. And Proverbs actually connects this a bit too. If you're a lazy person, if you're undisciplined, if you're what Proverbs calls the sluggard, and you're not only just physically lazy, there's, there's a spiritual dimension to this. And the classic Proverbs on the sluggard is Proverbs 24. From verse 30 it says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs talks a lot about being disciplined. And that Hebrew word, musar, it means this idea, it can be translated as discipline, a whole bunch of teaching, instruction, exhortation, warning, discipline, like being corrected. But that's the point of being a wise person is you're disciplined. And being lazy, that's not God-honoring. Being undisciplined has the opposite effect. It doesn't lead to life. It actually leads to death. So question is I have for you, if we're being spiritually disciplined, what is the difference between spiritual disciplines and legalism? Do you guys even know what legalism is? It's a big fancy term. Legalism is basically thinking, oh, I can earn my salvation by doing things. I'll earn God's love by getting up early in the morning and reading my Bible and praying and doing all these spiritual things. I'll earn my salvation. So what is the difference between legalism and discipline? Anyone know? Anyone want to shout out what they think it might be? Anyone brave? Yes, Murray, full marks. Because yeah, legalism because you have to, discipline because you want to. And I have a quote here from an author called Kent Hughes, and he says, "Legalism is self-centered; discipline is God-centered." Uh, on our podcast, when we were chatting with Keith this week, Keith said, "Like in our relationship with God, it's like a marriage." Oh, and think about this: there are times in a marriage where you probably need to carve out deliberate time. If you're really busy, let's set aside Tuesday night as a time we have date night and we just hang out together. But marriages, and like any relationship, they, they've built on being organic. If it was always just like, you think of your relationship with God, if you spoke to your spouse like you did God sometimes, it's kind of unnatural. There's not much love there. If you're just doing it out of duty, it's like, well, that's not really what it's about. Being disciplined, it's driven by its core, its love, love for God. And, and Jesus too, he, he came to fulfill the law perfectly. And in part of fulfilling the law perfectly, he came to give us rest. So when Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who are weary, and burdened. It's interesting, the message translation, Eugene Peterson, he actually connects it with burden from all the 
the, the religious rites of Pharisees are placed upon the people. Because that's the context he's talking in. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Discipline shouldn't be this horrific, horrible thing of like, oh man, my life's going to be miserable and terrible. Being spiritually disciplined should reflect this, Jesus giving you rest. And in the yoke that Jesus is talking about, he's not saying, hey, I'm going to take 25% of the weight and you're going to carry 75% or 50-50. Jesus carries that yoke fully, 100%. He's carrying that weight. And so with that knowledge going into it, that our spiritual disciplines should actually be driven out of love. saying, hey, this should be easy. This should be light. Because Jesus promised that, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, do discipline out of love. Because discipline is freedom, as Jocko Willie says. Now, I'll give you some little practical tools that to start with this. So I'm sorry that didn't come out very clearly here, but hey, just there's so many tools out there. Well, I just Googled Bible reading plans. Here came one here, Bible reading chart, New Testament. can do something like that. All of us have phones, yes, that have Bible apps on them. Well, look here, you can just get a note. If you have an iPhone like myself, put some notes there. Copy the verse that meant a lot to you and make a few notes. This is part of being spiritually disciplined. Getting in the word, reflecting on what God is teaching you. The other one too is, and this is one I really have learned a lot from. This is from a book called The Hour That Changes the World. And it's probably a little bit dated now. And Dick Eastman, he divides an hour. So it's based on that passage when Jesus is praying um, in Gethsemane, he finds the disciples asleep. He says, hey, couldn't you stay awake for me for one hour? And Dick Eastman was really challenged by that. So he breaks up an hour into 12 five-minute segments. And he gives this important caveat. See here? Should be applied with spiritual liberty rather than regimented legality. And he even suggests, like, if an hour praying is too long for you, he goes, hey, just... Take these and do one minute of each, 12 minutes. He goes, 12 minutes of prayer is better than zero minutes of prayer a day. And if you keep reading the book, and he has a chapter on each one of those parts of praise, waiting, confession, and so forth. And what he's saying is that you can just take these, mold these, but this is just a model to help you begin to think about prayer. That's just one that I find that one personally very, very helpful in the past. Now, finally, if everyone can take out your phones. Oh, I know, phones in church. Now, one of the things that we're doing here as a pastoral team is, or all team, I should say, not just pastors, all of our staff, is Monday to Friday at 2 o'clock we have a prayer time. Now, I'm not here Mondays, but in my calendar at 2 o'clock I get a little ping, and I say, oh, 2 o'clock, I should be praying. And we would like to encourage you as a church, either if you can come here at 2 o'clock, either Monday through to Friday, more than welcome to come join us to pray. Or if you can't, put a little reminder in your phone so at 2 o'clock, you're like, oh, ding, ah, 
I can pray for the church. And we just set aside 15, 20 minutes each day to be praying specifically for the center, for ourselves, for our church and our community. Part of just that discipline. And it's been really cool just in the few weeks I've been doing it, just seeing how God has actually been answering prayers and just feeling more connected spiritually to God and to each other. And it's nothing better than actually praying in a community, in a team. And we want to encourage you guys to do, to come join us in praying at 2 o'clock each and every day, either physically or in the spirit. I've been talking a bit about spiritual disciplines. So I might actually invite the band up. I'm going to invite Murray up to finish off our message. We're actually going to lead us through um, a prayer called the Exomen. And this was started by Ignatius of Lola. And so this is a way to do some prayer of daily reflection. And so Murray's going to lead us through that. Thanks, Murray. Thanks, Mitch. So guys, this is um, obviously pretty self-explanatory, but what I wanted to create in these last few minutes as we close this sermon this morning is a time for reflection, a time for contemplation, and a time for listening. So I'll get Josh to uh, start up on the keys when he's ready. And um, I just want to first read it through together. The first thing is obviously Thanksgiving. Just, I think we can all think of one thing that we are thankful for. Um, a petition, something as we go through our day, asking God to really work through us. About to review our day and ask for God to know myself as God sees me. We're going to then review where have I felt true joy today? What has troubled me today? What has challenged me today? Where and when did I pause today? Have I noticed God's presence in any of this? And then we're going to respond and look ahead. Now you're probably thinking, it's quarter to 11 on a Sunday morning. I haven't had much of a day yet. So what I'd like for us to do this morning is think about this in the frame of our week. How do these things apply to our week? What is something this week that we have felt joy for? What is something this week that has troubled us? What is something this week that has challenged us? Did we find a time during this week to pause? And have we noticed God's presence this week? So I'd encourage you right now to literally take a whole minute, I know, luxurious, a whole minute, <laughs> to still yourself. And then once you feel stilled, once you feel ready, I'd encourage you to just be led in this. And then look at what our response is. Look ahead at how we can be informed, how it can be changed. Let's be led in that now.
God, we thank you for the privilege it is to sit here, to stand here, to be in your presence. God, we thank you that you hear us before we call. Before we speak, you hear. But Lord, I just pray that as we go into this week, that we could be empowered through your love to find spiritual discipline in our lives. <laughs> Not because we are burdened by legalism and obligation, but because we desire a relationship with you. I'd like to encourage you guys in this last moment just to share how you found that with somebody next to you. If there was something which specifically came up that you might like to have prayer with together, we'll give you the last few minutes just to share, to reflect, to get alongside one another in prayer. And then we'll move into our final songs of worship. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.